0: <laughs> uh, so as I look around, uh, I recognize I've got older, <laughs> and maybe a bit grayer. Uh, so have you. It's just so good to be here this morning and to share with you. I don't know who chooses the songs we sing for the Sunday morning. Well, I need to say to whoever chose the, the songs, uh, the words are already being proclaimed. All of the songs we sung could have come straight out of Daniel's story. And so just what a gift and thank you uh, for that. This is really good to be with you. Uh, I don't know whether you need to kind of like stand up and shake yourself off a bit, uh, but I've got a lot of content to share with you this morning. And I'm going to, you know, we're going to like dig into Daniel, the stories you thought you knew, uh, maybe we're going to dig at this at a different level this morning, and I'm going to just encourage you to to be with me in in what we do. So let's get stuck into Daniel. We're going to read chapter 3. I'm going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to do it quite quickly, uh, and it will probably come up on the screen, uh, I think. Does it? No? Yes? I've not been here for a while. And uh, so Daniel chapter 3 from verse one. <laughs> there we go. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60, uh, 60 cubits high. If you want to know what 60 cubits, is, imagine 27 meters. That's, that's, that's like way up. And uh, 20, uh, So 60 cubits high, six cubits wide, about two and a half meters wide. So narrow, very tall image. And set it upon the plan of Dura... In the province of Babylon, and then he summoned the sat- satraps. Are just really those who represent the king. Satraps, prefects, governors, advisers, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisers, treasurers, judges, magistrates. They could have just said all of the above. And all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and so they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews who have been set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods, Or worship the image of gold that I have set up. Now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, pipe, and all kinds of music. If you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in the army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego And throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And these three men firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't these three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth one looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Abednego, Servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and the royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach. Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any national language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the provinces of Babylon. My goodness. Here ends the word of God. I can't believe that we had that story in Sunday school. It's like... Can you still do that today, Zooks? I don't think we can speak so violently. I don't know how you would teach us in Sunday school today. Probably start by, there was a time when there was an awkward situation. (laughs) Did did you have a sip of this? No, okay. Just two things you never share with anyone. Your toothbrush and water in the pulpit. (laughs) Because you haven't got time to look at it carefully, to see. So, so today we're taking a look at this uh, passage of Scripture, chapter 3, and I needed to read it in, its, in, its, in, in its, uh, the full version so that you get a sense of the flow and the dynamics and all the different moments uh, in the story. So we're looking at the stories you thought we knew, and today I probably would have given the sermon the title, Finding God in the Fire. This is the second look at Daniel that we're doing in this series. And Daniel is a fascinating book. It's a very powerful book. And I pray that today you may find uh, hope in what you hear. not More than hope, maybe even confidence in what you hear this morning. That you will find God uh, in, in the fire. And to understand some of the dynamics behind the story, this is where we're going to have to dig a little bit deep into this book we call Daniel. So Daniel was a real person. Daniel, his name is associated with the time of exile, when the Jews were in exile in Babylon. And his name came down through the centuries, came down as part of the stories and the legends of that time of exile. So too with Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach and Abednego, they were, those names were associated with the time of the exile. Lots of storytelling about these people. What's interesting that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are their Babylonian names, which differ from their Hebrew names. You, do you mind me digging a bit? You've got no choice, actually. You do realize that. I mean, I'm going to just dig anyway. But if you look, so those were their Babylonian names. If you look at the Hebrew names, Shadrach was Hananiah. Meshach was Mishael. And Abednego was Azariah. So they had had Hebrew names, and the Hebrew names were changed into Babylonian names, which means those people were people of significance, because they were noted and their names were changed. In fact, Daniel had a different name. In Babylon, although we use his name, Daniel, his name, and ironically so, was Belshazzar, his Babylonian name, which means Baal protect the king. So we've got this mix of story and legend that has come down to us. It gets even more exciting. Remember in Sunday school, now I'm going to date myself. And anybody kind of under the age of 40 probably won't even know this stuff. There used to be a time when there wasn't any of this tech at all. I know it's hard to imagine a life without screens. But genuinely, believe me, there was a time when there weren't any. And so Sunday school teachers used to rely on, remember those felt boards? And so they had felt boards and they had felt figures. Too many of you are nodding. That's terrifying. So they had the, they had these felt boards, and they would have these cut-out felt figures, and they would tell the story and put these figures on the felt board, and so sort of illustrate their point. And we would take side bets, gambling in the Sunday school. We would take side bets of how long the felt figures would stay on the board before they fell off. And as I was preparing for today, I kind of like had this flashback of this felt board and the teacher would then put up these figures of the, the three men and then would stick on uh, the flames of fire all around them and then would stick on this kind of apparition of a fourth person and as the teacher was t- teaching, so like the flame would fall off and they would have to stick it back on and so on. But it was all about in those days, and I suspect all too often, this is preached as a miraculous event. A supernatural event when God rescues these three guys out of a fiery furnace that had been heated seven times the normal heat. The problem that I have with that is a supernatural event is just a supernatural event. Think about it. We call it supernatural. For God, it's another day in the office. And so, an event is just that. It sticks in a moment, in a period of time, and goes no further. Someone benefits from the supernatural power of God. And life moves on. The book of Daniel is much more than that. The reason for writing this is way beyond a simple, single supernatural event. And this is where we've got to dig a little bit deeper. So Daniel was never one document, a number of documents put together to bring up a common theme. So, for instance, would you notice that in the chapter we've just read, Daniel isn't mentioned once. And so it was always, and still is, assumed that that particular chapter was a separate document at some time, and later brought into what we call the book of Daniel. The second thing that we need to note about this, and this is like really significant, is when it was written. Daniel was written in the here around about 165 B.C., so second century. And what's the significance of this? The entire story of Daniel is placed during the period that the Jews were in exile. The time when the temple was destroyed the time when the communities were obliterated, the time when Jews were taken away from Israel and taken to Babylon, a time of immense persecution. So what's so significant about 165 BC is this. The Jews were going through the same thing again. They were being persecuted again. You see, Alexander the Great, you're looking at me like rabbits caught in headline. Like, what is he doing? It's like history 101. (laughs) So the Jews were being persecuted again. Alexander the Great had conquered the entire northeastern regions, and he had placed governors over the different regions. And the governors had strict instructions. Their instructions were to govern the civil life of the people they were ruling over, but not to interfere with their religion. Well, that didn't go so well in the area where the Jews were. Because in the area where the Jews were, they were under the rule of Antiochus Epiphanes the Fourth, who was in short medical terms a nutcase. He was an absolute tyrant. And not only did he interfere with the Jewish religion, he desecrated their temple, the second temple. He desecrated it. And so there was a group within the Jews called the Maccabeans, and they were kind of Jewish warriors. And so during this period, we had the Maccabean Revolt. And it's during this time that we find Daniel being written. And this is why it's such a powerful book. Daniel is an apocalyptic writing. What revelation is to what we call the New Testament, Daniel is for what we call the Old Testament. It's an apocalyptic writing. And so we see the fire and we think it's just a supernatural, is a supernatural event there's another message coming through. And the message is this. God has been with us in the past. And God is with us again. And we find God in the fire. Fire is an interesting thing. I mean, fire typically consumes. Fire destroys. When fire happens, it's awful, right? But fire is also used to purify. And as we lit the candle this morning, I just a thought that came to mind is, isn't it interesting that in this modern day, we don't have some kind of fancy LED system that displays the presence of God? Twenty twenty three. I've got to be careful what I say here. I'm going to say it anyway. I'm leaving soon. We still find the need to light a candle. We still find the need to see a flame. What I was going to say and am going to say is, I guess you're used to candles with but that's another story. Isn't it interesting that Moses at a time of Decades, centuries of persecution. Where does Moses meet God? In the burning bush. It is the fire that attracted his attention. And the fire did not consume the bush. And that attracted Moses' attention. I live in in a rural community. I live among shepherds. And shepherds will say anything. I mean, probably they do say anything. But shepherds will say to you, you know what? The worst thing that can happen is fire. Because when fire comes, sheep run, and it's difficult to get them back again. So when Moses saw the burning bush as a shepherd, he would have panicked. As you as would say on the East Rand, um, <clears throat> If you're watching from Scotland, it would be probably transliterated into Yakim's Trouble. But it's got way more emotion than those words. And Moses finds God in the fire. When the Israelites went through the the wilderness for 40 years, how did God guide them? Cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Finding God in the fire. we got the story today, chapter 3, the three men in the fire, and they come out, and the fire does not consume them. Are you catching the trend here? And then the, the, the final comment is this. How about the day of Pentecost? What happened on the day of Pentecost? Flames of fire appeared above their heads. The presence of God is to be found in the fire. Daniel is a powerful book. And what the writers are saying, Daniel, is hear this. God was there in the past when you were in the fire. And God is here with us today when we're in the fire. No matter what we are going through, know this. God is with us. God's presence is given. And God is going to be with us through all of this. I mean, obviously, the question that remains is, what is this saying to us today? Well, I guess the question would be this. Where's the fire in your life today? Where's the fire in your life? Because Daniel is saying to us today no matter how difficult it gets, no matter how painful it is, no matter how steep the hill or deep the valley, you feel like you're in the fire. Here's the good news: that we're going to find God. It's right there with you. The elephant in the room has got to be Israel's on fire again. And our prayer has got to be for peace. Our prayer has got to be that the the oppression of the Palestinians comes to an end. Our prayer has got to be that those who have committed crimes are brought to justice no matter which side they're on. There's a fire. But I want to bring it closer to home. Where's the fire in your life today? What's got you anxious? What's troubling you? What's keeping you up at night? What's confronting you? What's making your day so difficult that you long to be released from that burden, that challenge, that fire? When I look at the testimony, the witness of these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I've just seen them do four things. Now when a Methodist minister says, I see them do four things, you panic. Because we kind of weigh into the message already and now he's coming up with four new things. Now I just want to conclude with four things. I just want to conclude and help us get a handle on what we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do. In the fire first thing we need to do when we're walking in fire is be true in your faith in God don't don't waver when we're in the fire that's not the time to doubt when we're in the fire that's not the time to wonder When we're in the fire, that's the time to say, I know God, and God knows me. When we're in the fire, that's the moment, and we get it from these three guys, that's the moment to give everything to God. It was verse 17. You put us in the fire, and our God will deliver us. And even if our God doesn't deliver us, we're just not going to do what you want us to do. That's handing everything. You see, when we're in the fire, we only understand that which we know. We don't get the big picture. We don't understand all the dynamics. We need to stand firm in our faith and we need to hand everything. Not, Not just the circumstances, but who we are. All of me. And it's only when we offer all of who we are to God can we sing words like, it is well. It is well. Two more thoughts. When I look at these three men, they stood firm on the belief that no matter what they experience, no matter what they see or what they think they see, Not for one second did they doubt that God was with them. Not for one second. The point of Daniel, the story you thought you knew, was not about just a once-off supernatural miraculous event, but it's about a promise, and it's about a purpose, and it's about a relationship. It's about the truth that God's presence is with us even today. And the final thought, God has come through in the past. And you know that. I know many, many of you. You're not strangers to me. I know many stories sitting here. And I say this to you. You know God has come through for you in the past. And I'm saying this to you today. God comes through again. And again, and again. The wonderful thing for Meshach and Shadrach and Abednego is that they came out of the fire and they got promoted and they got protected and they were in a way better position then than they were before the fire. Now here's the miracle. And I guess partly why In Chinese, they talk about crisis and opportunity. It's the same word. Because you know what? When we're in the fire, good things can happen. Miraculous things can happen. And when we come out of the fire, just maybe you're going to be in a better place. You see, and I'll go back to what I said earlier, and I'll end with the sentence. Sometimes fire is that which purifies us and sorts out the nonsense from the good. God bless you and thank you. Amen.